Because bon, bon, bon bonds, really? No, man, I don't know. That's just what it says. I mean, well, I think you know what? I think our niche market just became the Jurassic Age. <laughs> what the hell is a bond? I'll tell you later. Uh, greetings, friends, and uh, welcome into this, the 137th edition of Fusebox, cunningly entitled "Appetite for Distraction." And I'm your writing the great American novel in invisible ink host, Mark Rose, and over there, the always vigilant and eagle-eyed maestro of the meters himself, Milt Keynes. Everybody, <laughs> I said. Sorry. Man. The <laughs> yeah, we're off like a car with square wheels. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of distraction, I got I got. Did, did you see this article about the guy at the Portland airport? He got a little too uh, creative with his game shit. Uh, creative? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a this is a hoot. Okay. Says here that a, a, a Portland International Airport traveler decided he needed a bigger screen for his video games, and he found one just happened to already be a monitor used for official airport business. What? According to uh, Port of Portland spokesperson Kama Simmons, a traveler plugged his PlayStation 4 into a monitor that showed a map of the airport. That's obviously something we don't want to have happen because travelers need the information that we're putting on the screens for them. Oh, man. Operation supervisors approached the gamer, Simmons said, and very kindly asked this person to unplug and cease using the monitors at the airport. Oh, man. According to Simmons, the man asked very politely. Very politely, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. If he could finish his game. Well, sadly for him, the answer was no. Apparently, it was a very polite and cordial interaction, Simmons said, calling it a good reminder of what not to do at the airport. <laughs> wow. Now, that that's a serious player there, you know? You actually might want to have that treated professionally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you got to love the balls of that, though, huh? I don't know, man. That that level of obsession and uh, complete and total disregard for anyone else is... It was perfect. Yeah, maybe. Goes to show you the difference of uh, the conflict threshold. I mean, I think uh, here in Portland, Oregon, uh, we actually may have more in common with Canada in terms of civility. <laughs> I mean, in some places... That little confrontation right there would have created an international incident. You know, bomb squads, SWAT teams being called in, bodies everywhere. So that, you know, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, but you know what? I think I also just read that Portland was like uh, number 34 on the Rude Cities Index. <laughs> 34? Yeah. 
Okay, must be all the California migration then. Well, wait, aren't you from... You know, I, uh, I just got to say that uh, I have produced a fair amount of uh, game voice uh, recording sessions over the years, either as a talent or as an engineer. And uh, you know what, friends? It's not really as fun as it is, allegedly, playing the game. Uh, just saying. These can be some really tough sessions for the talent. Uh, seriously. Yeah, well, I guess all the screaming and yelling and jumping around would get to you. Yeah, and that's before the session starts. <laughs> no, man, it's a thing. It really is. Well, actually, I, I've enjoyed them on one level. Um, at, after one of those recordings, it really does feel like some massive workout and that maybe your game got notched up a bit afterwards. I mean, it does kind of feel like that. If you don't blow your cords out. Yeah, and luckily, uh, that has not happened to me. But I have been in sessions where it has, and it's easy to see how. I mean, if you're doing this thing right, you're uh, completely invested in this character. And I don't care how minor it is or whatever. And I know, for me personally, I'm always thinking, let me give the character designer something to work with vocally, you know, to enliven that animation, even though a lot of the times we, uh, we don't actually get to see the characters beforehand. Seems to me I've heard that the uh, scene details can be uh, a bit sketchy at times. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And there can be a, a good reason for that sometimes. Uh, might be times where um, certain details about the scene aren't really uh, nailed down. Or the, or the character you're playing has to serve multiple purposes because there are various things that could happen to that character based on player choices. So they need to uh, cover a bunch of possibilities. And sometimes, well, they're just plain vague. Nah, I've never played one. Really? Well, you know, I take that back. I I, uh, I did play Strip Solitaire once. Yeah, you know what? Don't want to know about that one. Yeah. But when we return, friends, it's raining lizards. This is where I use my extraordinary skill. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. The Fusebox Show. And now, another edition of Problem Man. Uh, hi. I, I need a uh, watch battery for my... Uh... So you're out of time. Huh? Oh, right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say... Uh... Take a number, please. Uh, a number? Um, uh, I'm, uh... Take a number, please. Okay... Six. Number six. 
1947. What the hell? Uh, excuse me. Uh, you just called number six? My ticket number is 47? So, uh... Take a number, please. Well, see, I, I already got a number. It's 47. And you just called number six, and there's no... Take a number, please. Right. I have a number. It's 47. See? 47. You just called number six, and th- there's no one else in this... Sir, you have to take a number. But I've already... Fine. 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 I'll take another number. There. Took another number. 48. Now, my watch. It just needs a new bat. Number seven. Number seven. Number seven. Seven? Sir, there's no one else in the store, okay? I'm the only one here. All I need is a battery from my... Take a number, please. I already took two numbers. Sir, I called number seven, not number two. Please wait your turn. I have been waiting, goddamn... Listen, are you going to sell me a watch battery or not? Take a number, please. Motherfucker! You know what? Fine, fine. I'll take another goddamn number. There! I got my number! See? See? See right here. Another number. 49. Okay? 40 fucking 9. That's me. Number eight here. Number eight. See? I'm number eight. How can I help you, sir? (sighs) A watch battery. I need a new watch battery, please. Is that a Timex? Uh, Yes. Yes, a Timex. A a plain, simple Timex watch. They say a Timex. (laughs) Right, yeah. Takes a licking and and keeps keeps on on ticking. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I just need uh, a new watch battery. So, if, if you could just... Sorry. We don't sell watch batteries. Huh? Ah! See? Time not only flies, it'll kill you too. Is Timex still around?
You know what? I think they actually may be. I'm, I'm almost certain they are. Uh, John Cameron Swayze... Take a licking and keep on ticking. ...is not. Uh, Mr. Swayze left this timeline in 1995, I do believe. Man, they do all kinds of crazy shit to those watches. They'd strap it to a motorboat and hit it with a hammer. Oh, yeah. Shoot it with a bow and arrow. And, uh, you know, a lot of those early spots uh, with John Cameron Swayze there demonstrating the impeccability and indestructibility of Timex watches, uh, they were done live. So if it failed, well, <laughs> nah. Never did, though. Yeah, I had one. Yeah, me as well. But, uh. Soon, watches became annoying, and so now I just carry this graham cracker-sized computer around. Tells time just fine. Bitch couldn't strap that to a powerboat. Not recommended, Mr. Keynes. Not recommended at all. And uh, speaking of aquatic lizards... <laughs> friends, there are many, and I we're, seem to be plagued by them uh, hourly now... Uh, new health scares flitting about out there, but uh, none are as cunning or vicious as this one. Sadly, it only seems to be happening in one familiar locale to us. We have been alerted by the National Weather Service that they have issued an unofficial warning for falling iguanas. Yes. Just a few days ago, the National Weather Service issued an alert for falling iguanas due to the unusual cold snap that's hit the Sunshine State. This isn't something we usually forecast, but don't be surprised if you see iguanas falling from the trees tonight as lows drop into the 30s and 40s. The Weather Service tweeted, quoting from the Weather Service again, Iguanas are cold-blooded. They slow down or become immobile when temps drop into the 40s. They may fall from trees. But they are not dead, the weather service said. Once temperatures reach a certain level, iguanas stiffen up <laughs> and fall out of trees. Yes, kind of like me. <laughs> uh, according to Chris Michaels, a meteorologist with WSLS-TV in Norfolk, Virginia... This is something that has been observed over the years in South Florida. At about 50 degrees, iguanas can become lethargic, Michael said. It's when the temperature drops to about 40 degrees or lower that their blood doesn't move around as quickly. As a result, they can stiffen up and fall out of the trees in which they frequent. Uh-oh. <laughs> right. And you know what? These critters can be a bit prickly as they uh, thaw out. So best not to poke at them with a fork or, or even discuss Florida politics with them. That's right out. Are we talking those, uh, what do they call them, uh, marine iguanas, those really big dudes? Uh, kind of, kind of. The ones in South Florida aren't like the huge ones found on the Galapagos Islands, but uh, they are pretty big, nonetheless. They certainly are uh, <laughs> bigger than than I would have expected. Yeah, you know, I knew a guy who had one as a pet. He, uh, he used to take it for walks on a leash. 
Scared the shit out of people. Definitely not a chick magnet. Yeah, but it might be an iguana magnet, though. <laughs> Alas, we would be remiss in our civic duty if we did not ask and, you know, even ponder in amazement. What the fuck, Florida? Yeah, and as we're on the animal topic here, I wanted to share this rather remarkable story with you. And uh, this was sent to me by a frequent collaborator to Fusebox, Jody Lorimer, a story concerning an ancient Scandinavian vocal technique used um, primarily to herd cattle called kulning. Now, I've, I've linked to a, a video in the show notes that demonstrates this thing. And let me just say, it is, without a doubt, the most haunting yet uh, a beautiful sound that you can imagine. This technique dates back to, uh, they say, at least medieval times. And uh, quoting from the article here from uh, the Atlas Obscura, as dusk approached, the haunting calls of Kulning echoed through the trees in short, cascading, lyricless phrases. Even though quite melodic, these weren't simply musical expressions. They were messages intended for a responsive audience, wayfaring cattle. Kulning was a surefire way to bring the herds home at the end of the day. Now, in this video, you, you can see this uh, young woman walk out into the pasture there and uh, some considerable distance from her, you can see them in the, in the background there, are some cattle grazing and paying absolutely no attention to her at all. Until she starts this call. Then uh, gradually, the cattle uh, saunter back her way. And uh, with a purpose, too. There's a couple in there that are actually running. I mean, it's not, it's not a reluctant or a reticent return here. They get the message. No, it almost sounds... Celtic or something. Yeah, you know, that's what I thought as well. There's a very haunting quality there, uh, as we said. And uh, the gal pictured in this video, I think uh, her name is Yona Yinton. See if I can mangle that. And uh, she's got a YouTube channel uh, devoted to this thing with hundreds of thousands of subscribers uh, to her, uh, her uh, channel there. And uh, returning back to the article here for a moment... According to Suzanne Rosenberg, professor and head of the folk music department at the Royal College of Music in Stockholm and cooling expert, one should always take caution when hanging out with someone cooling, as it can't be done quietly. Rosenberg, who's researched the volume of cooling, says it can reach up to 125 decibels, which she warns is dangerously loud for someone standing next to the source, comparable to the pitch and volume of a dramatic soprano singing forte. Cooling can be heard by an errant cow over five kilometers away. This explains how the song might reach a distant herd. But what prompts animals to trot over remains a bit of a mystery. That we have to ask the cows, says Rosenberg, but it's really no stranger than calling a dog. Man, that just beats the holy hell out of yelling for Fido. And going on here, it says Rosenberg discovered something else during her research. 
While interviewing herdswomen from the last generation to regularly practice this, she became aware of the call's effect on the women. There's a pride in it, she says. There is a skill that they cherish by themselves, too. It became obvious to Rosenberg that Kulning wasn't simply a tool, but also a form of individual musical expression. Many researchers and ethnomusicologists try to separate the function and the art, she says. But I found that with Kulning, function and art are actually just two sides of the same thing. This was apparent in the joy it brought the herdswoman she spoke to, the pleasure it brought to those in earshot who would stop their work to listen, and the shivers the sound can send down the spine today, even through tiny laptop speakers. If you listen closely, she says, you can find Kulning everywhere in Sweden today. You can hear it on stage at a folk show or in someone's backyard when a mother calls her children in for dinner. Some women have even learned the far-carrying cries as a form of self-defense, says Rosenberg. It has survived, she says, by shifting as it slips into new contexts. I do not see it as a revival, she says. It's really a continuation of an expression that is so strong it will always find a way to persist. So uh, thanks again to Jody Lormer for sending that along. I can tell you, um, you have to see this video to appreciate the effect going on here. It's indeed uh, something magical. And I, I, you know, I, I think it's really fascinating these days what types of things are uh, resurfacing, particularly from uh, olden days. Yeah, like Timex and Bon Bon. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. I, I mean, just in terms of uh, animal observations that are captured these days, because uh, everybody has a camera on them at all times. We get to see... Uh, animal behavior we probably would never see in the wild. The muskrat guarding its musk. You know, you're just two ruby slippers away from the timeout room, Mr. Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take a look at what's happening across the country. We want you to be aware of northeastern Texas moving along Interstate 40 until 10 p.m. tonight. We also want to mention that we've got Wisconsin stretching from northern Louisiana through Missouri just to the west of Milwaukee. Also through tonight, southeastern Texas staying above Louisiana. And as we head further into the northwest, we've got Idaho just off the coast of the Carolinas coming up on Washington. We'll explain. The always informative uh, Fernandin and Lemur giving us the space-time forecast. Pay no attention to the smoke down there, folks. It's just a hoax perpetrated by a big, giant continent that's on fire. Nope. Not a thing at all happening there. Just a little brush fire. You can just move along now, okay? And if you believe that, I have a Senate you can buy real cheap. We don't seem to be using it anymore. And with that, we'll take our bloated beyond time or rational reason behinds and squeeze back under the sofa. 
but not before thanking our non-distracted participants in this edition of the show. Fernanda Nendy Lemer, Jeff Pollard, and Bob Sterry. And as always, a nod and a wink to the Deacon of Dials over there, Milt Keynes, for technical assistance and so forth. A pleasure as always. Our undying thanks uh, to you as well, friends, for pushing play on this program's audio output. We do so appreciate that and also would appreciate a little uh, click of the uh, subscribe button and the tick of the like thingy if uh, you have not otherwise done so. Much thanks in advance. And I have been your melt-in-your-mouth, not-on-your-watch host, Mark Rowe, saying, until our next cartoon.